0: Well, good evening. You can make your way in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. So, in the uh, times that I'll be with you, uh, only once this month, but then twice in October, twice in November, uh, we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus. Um, last month, when I was here, we looked at the parable of the sower, and we 're going to follow matthew the gospel of matthew 's pattern uh, so we 're going to continue in Matthew chapter thirteen and we 're going to start in verse uh, twenty four so you can make your way over there uh, i 'm going to begin uh, with prayer so let 's pray together, Lord God, we do ask and plead for your Holy Spirit to uh, to come, uh, to give us grace, to give us understanding, Lord. Uh, we need to understand these mysteries that Jesus unfolds for us in these parables. We want to understand the working of your kingdom. It is beyond our comprehension. Uh, so, Lord, we pray, and I pray, ask for your grace, Lord, to speak clearly and rightly um, Lord, give me grace to uh, unfold these mysteries with the the puny mind and vocabulary that you have given to me, Lord. We ask that you would bless it with your spirit and, and cause it to come home in power, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 24, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven So the servant said to him, then, do you want us to go and and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So Jesus um, tells, after the parable of the sower, he tells a series of six parables. And they all begin with, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. Right? So all of these parables are meant to illustrate uh, the kingdom of heaven. But of course we have to ask, what does Jesus mean by the kingdom of heaven? Right? What, what does this phrase mean? What is the what's packed into that phrase? Um, well, surely it's not referring to heaven itself, right? The dwelling place of God or our eternal dwelling, uh, because the heaven is not going to be a mixed place. There are not going to be righteous and wicked in heaven. There will only be righteousness there. Um, so. It's referring rather, of course, kingdom of heaven is referring to the kingdom of the one who dwells in heaven, and that is God, right? The ruler, the ruler of heaven, God himself. So the phrase is really the same as the kingdom of God, right? Other gospels will use the phrase kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, of course, is a broad phrase that's used in the Bible in several ways, the term kingdom can refer to the place that a king rules over, right? The kingdom of Spain, the kingdom of England. Or it can refer to the actual reign of the king, right? The reign of Darius, the kingdom of Darius. Or it can refer to the acts and the decrees of the king while he reigns, right? So the phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God in this context is talking about God's activity, what the Father is doing through his Son, Jesus Christ, to save a group of people for his own and to punish and to destroy his enemies, right? So Jesus is explaining and unfolding what is is God's plan and purpose? How is he bringing about his rule in the world? So there's a A mystery to this kingdom of heaven there's a mystery to what is going on and we see that in Matthew chapter 13 verse 11 so the same chapter we're in but back up to verse 11 as he's talking about the parable of the sower before he explains the parable of the sower the disciples ask him why are you speaking in parables why aren't you just talking plainly and he says to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, that is the crowds, it has not been given. So the word secret, right? The secret of the kingdom of heaven, that word in Greek is mysterion, right? Mystery, where we get the word mystery. So there is something secret or hidden or mysterious about God's ...working out his kingdom or bringing his kingdom to the, to the world that Jesus wants to make clear. Right? The disciples and the nation of Israel and the, the crowds don't understand how God is unfolding this plan, this purpose. And so this teaches us something important. God's ways are mysterious... They are not revealed, they are not made known unless God reveals them. Yes, do we have a lot of questions in this world? Do we have a lot of questions about the problem of evil? About what is going on in this? Yes, absolutely we have questions. But guess what? There they are mysteries. Things that man's mind cannot comprehend unless God makes them known. And so here God is... Christ is making known to his disciples, this is not going to unfold the way you think it is. And so, problems that we deal with today, they dealt with. Right, here are God's people living in a broken world, a fallen world, and they're wondering, how is God going to fix all this? How is, when is he going to bring us relief? When is he going to rescue us? When is he going to punish the wicked? And so we see this expectation of God's coming, dealing with evil, dealing with the pain and suffering of this world, and so... Just for an example, there are so many scriptures. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He's going to bring justice. The Messiah is going to bring justice. He's going to relieve the oppression of his people. He's going to give them the reward that they're waiting for. What's the next part of verse 4? And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and, the, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So what is, when the Messiah comes, what is he going to do? He's going to reward and relieve the suffering of his people and he's going to punish the wicked. That's what the Messiah is going to do. And then, then we hit this picture of this perfect world, right? Verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like an ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand into the adder's den, they shall not hurt or destroy and all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Right? Here is a picture of a world at peace. Right? Even creation, is, lions are no longer tearing lambs apart. Wolves aren't tracking you down, trying to kill you. Everything is at peace. Glory and peace. That, is, that was the expectation. Right? When the Messiah comes, that's what he's going to do. right? It will be joy and reward for God's people. It will be punishment for the wicked. It will be paradise. And the disciples are like, this is the guy. This is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's here. He's standing right here. We're ready. We're ready for this. And so that's the, the expectation that they had. So now we go, go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. So he begins to tell them this, this parable. Are these Actually, we're going to be pretty much summarizing the, the three parables. The parable of the weeds, and then the seed, and the leaven. So he begins to... Unfold this parable to them, right? And again, let's just remind ourselves how we, parables are tricky things, right? You press them, they're like a slippery fish. You press them too hard and they slide away from you. Parables, we we have to step back with a parable and say, okay, what is the point? What's the main point? One or two main points. If you press the details of parables too much, you you miss it, right? So there, there are some parts of this story that are just part of a good story right i don't think there's any significance in that the men the workers slept that's what workers do right you work hard you're tired you go to sleep i don't think he's saying they were oh they were being negligent no it's just what happened right that's not the important point of the of the parable so we see that the kingdom of heaven is compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So we see, we have this picture of a of a conflict. There's a conflict going on, right? We, we see in Jesus' explanation, right, that Jesus himself is... The man who owns the field. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. So we have God who creates the world. It's his field. It's his world. He has good and great purposes for these things. But then we see the entrance of evil, don't we? All right? The man who sowed the weeds is, is the devil. All right? uh, verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed is the are the seeds of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. All right, God, are, are are you not good? Didn't you make this world good? Aren't you a holy and righteous God? Then where does evil come from? Not God. It comes from Satan. Well, didn't God make Satan? Yes, he did. He is under his sovereign control. But God is not the author of evil. We have Satan coming in. And so we see this cosmic conflict. It gives us a snapshot into this cosmic conflict between God and his Messiah, Jesus Christ, and Satan and his minions, God's people and Satan's people. And the stage of this conflict is the world. It's this world. This lonely planet god created it he filled it with life he placed mankind upon it to be a stage where god would be glorified this universe was made to show forth the glory the power of god where god's perfections would be put on display But Satan entered as an enemy to defile man, to ruin God's good creation. But yes, even this, God has decreed for the display of his glorious perfections. Yes, even Satan, even evil, even wickedness, God has ordained not being the author of it, but to display his glorious perfections, to display... His righteousness through this fall through man's fall God would be glorified in the merciful rescue and salvation of a group of sinners through his son and by the destruction and judgment of Satan and those who follow him in rebellion God will display his perfect righteousness his perfect judgment and his perfect power. So we see that through both of these, through mercy and through judgment, God displays his multifaceted glory. We live on a stage of cosmic conflict. We live in the midst of the most epic story there ever was. A story that blows away any novel, any fantasy story you have ever read. And it is the story of the triune God and his glory displayed in redemption and judgment. We live on a stage, but it's not your stage. It's not my stage. It's God's stage. We live in the middle of a story, but it is not your story. And it is not my story. We are not the star of this show. We're the guy who stands in the back and holds the bowl of fruit and doesn't have any lines. And we need to understand that. right? Because the, the, the spirit of our culture right now is me. It's me, me, me. I want to tell my story. I'm the center of my universe. You got, you got to hear my story. No one's ever, no one has a story like my story. Yeah, they do. They all do. This is God's story, His show, and it is a magnificent show. So we see in this parable a stage of cosmic conflict. Satan sowing evil, God saving a people, God being glorified in gathering the weeds, burning the weeds, planting his wheat, growing his wheat, harvesting his wheat, bringing it into his barn. God will be glorified. It's his stage and his story. But but there's a mystery here. How, again, same idea as Isaiah. But here's, here's the catch, right? The I think here's the thing that the disciples would have been surprised about. Right? The workers come to the owner. There's weeds in your wheat. Do you want us to pull up that wheat? Are you going to... Uh, Allow, are you going to uh, endure these weeds in your field? Get rid of them right now. Pull them out right now. And the owner said, Christ says, no, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, then gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat Wait wait, wait wait, the Messiah has come, right now now it's, now it 's harvest time, right now, now it 's time to separate these things now it 's time. light the fires, light the torches. no, 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 no. Wait, wait so he, here 's the mystery of the kingdom. Christ has come, he 's come in the power of God he 's come, but The wicked and the righteous are still going to live together for a time. The delay, there's a delay of this final reward and final judgment. And that's what the disciples and the Jews did not expect. No, now is the time. Do, aren't you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? The, the disciples ask at Jesus' resurrection. Now, now? Grab our torches and pitchforks? Grab the swords? No. Wait. Wait. So here's the, the mystery The coming of God's Messiah was supposed to be characterized by both the salvation of God's people and the judgment of God's enemies. But here we see Jesus saying, postpone the judgment. Postpone the separation of the righteous and the wicked. That will happen at a future time. But for now, the righteous and the wicked must coexist in this world. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has broken into this world in power to crush the head of Satan, to save God's people from their sins. There is a present reality and experience of God's saving work and his judging rule, but there's also a future fulfillment that awaits completion of that rule and still awaits a future time. And that's what the disciples did not understand or expect. They knew that God's Messiah stood before them, Jesus Christ, and so they expected God's salvation and judgment to appear in full immediately. All right, isn't that how we want God to work? All of it now. <laughs> Give me all of it now. I want all the benefits of salvation now. But instead, the kingdom of the kingdom and the Messiah had come in an unexpected way. The Messiah had come, but he came to be betrayed he came to be mocked, he came to be crucified, but then to rise. And the kingdom of God has come indeed. The kingdom of God has come. It came with Christ stepped into this world. His rule, his redemption. But it has come, and now we get to the other parables, it has come as a mustard seed. Again, look at Verse 31, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. He put another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a... If the disciples filled in the blank, they'd say, like lightning. Like uh, dynamite. They didn't have dynamite back then. right? "Like, Like a hurricane right now. Like a flash. Like, no, no. Peter, be quiet. The kingdom of God... ...is like a grain of mustard seed. What? A grain of mustard seed? I mean, come on, Jesus. You could do better than that. Like an acorn. I mean, at least that's big. No. Mustard seed. The kingdom of God of heaven... ...is like a mustard seed... ...that a man took... ...and sowed in his field... It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. He then told them another parable. All right, Jesus, you got a second try. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Jesus, that is, I mean, we need to talk to your advertising agent because that is terrible advertisement. What, what, What does he mean by these two things? Mustard seed, leaven. They're small. They're insignificant. The kingdom of God has come, but it has not come as the world expected it to come. It came small. It came in a man in a man who gave himself up to be crucified, in a man who gave himself up to be mocked, to be crucified, to be made a spectacle to the world, to be shamed. But through that man, life came. Through that man, weeds are made into wheat. Through that man, wicked God-hating rebels against God are made into children of God through that man, through his death, through his being trampled, through his being subject to shame and mocking. But the kingdom has come. And then it came into a small group Fishermen and women that followed Jesus. And people that were embarrassed to be seen with Jesus in the daylight. So they came and visited him at night. What? That's the kingdom of God? Right, and, then, and even you look today. Small, insignificant. What? That's the kingdom of God? But then it has grown and spread so that the birds of the air, often that's uh, referred to as the Gentiles come in. The Gentiles come in to this kingdom. It spreads. It grows. That's not what the disciples expected. It was absolutely unexpected. But that's how God has ordained it. And it will continue to grow. And it spreads Not by good advertisement. It spreads not by good programs and plans of man and strategies. It spreads by the hand of God. And it often spreads through blood and sweat and tears and trials. But that's how the kingdom of God has spread until you think of even now. The the gospel has gone. If we rewound a hundred years ago, we would... Not even think that the gospel would have taken root in places like uh, South Africa, like Asia. The, the hardest places, the places where missionaries went and almost were immediately killed. In, in South America, the church is, is growing and, and spreading as God causes it to grow Yes, it it began small and insignificant, and it spreads slowly and difficultly, but God's kingdom spreads. He brings in his people, and, and how does he do it? Well, go back to the parable of the sower. He does it through the preaching and proclamation of his word and people hearing and believing. God takes the wise things of man And he makes them foolish. He takes the foolish things of the world and he does his work. He takes the strong and he sets the strong aside. And he takes the weak and he sends the weak and causes the weak to be made strong and to prosper because their strength comes from God and not from them. The kingdom has come in an unexpected way. But there is a future. There is an end to this age. And there's something that's going to happen at the end of this age. And so Jesus explains that. verse, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered. Well, let me pause there. Another thing we see in this parable. There are only two kinds of people. There's wheat and there's weeds. There's sons of the kingdom and there are sons of the evil one. That's it. No middle ground, no neutral party, nor da- no daffodils growing on the side of the field. Wheat and weeds, that's it. And so it should cause us to say, what, which am I? Am I a child of God? Am I a son of the evil one? See, the sons of God, the the wheat is of Christ's planting. Notice, he's the one who planted. Christ is the one. Where, Where do the children of God come from? They come from Christ. They're his planting. There's a whole other sermon in here. That I saw in that. I won't won't go off on it, but Christ and his people, right? All of the people of God are planted by Christ. You see that? All of the people of God. That is of Old Testament and New Testament. All of them. All of these covenants that we see in the Old Testament find their fulfillment in the New In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, and in Christ. It is Christ who plants these covenants. This grain. It is Christ who makes these people Christians. It is Christ who tends them, and it is Christ who brings them home to glory. But there's something else coming, right? Just as the weeds were gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age when Christ returns. When Christ returns, what? He will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. There's future. Future, reward. Future punishment. You see, not in this life, not right now. Not right now are God's people given their reward right now. It's future. Their full reward is future. Not right now are the wicked treated as they ought to be treated. Are the wicked punished? That's a future thing. So what does that teach us? That teaches us that our, your condition right now in this world does not say anything about the condition of your soul. You can't say, don't say, don't say to yourself, oh, my life is good, my life is, see, God is blessing me. I must be good, I must be righteous. Look at how God has blessed me. Well, look at how he blesses the wicked sometimes. Your condition right now in this world, whether rich or poor, is not an accurate reflection of your condition with God. Sometimes the righteous suffer in this life sometimes they go through great difficulties we think of job and job's condition of suffering was not an accurate reflection of his standing with god the reward and the punishment is future so by way of application let's go to second peter second peter chapter 3 Because it's interesting, because I, I think Peter takes up this, right, this truth. So we see, let me, let me summarize the point of this parable, right? The parable is meant to illustrate a mysterious and unexpected element about the unfolding of God's work of redemption through Jesus Christ. God is acting through his Son in power to save his people and to crush his enemies. But the final manifestation of that salvation and punishment awaits a future day. For now the kingdom looks unimpressive. It spreads slowly and the righteous and the wicked still coexist side by side until the glorious second appearing of Jesus Christ when God's salvation and judgment will be finalized. So I think Peter really picks up how we should live in light of that delay and the waiting of God's, or Christ's coming. So he says in, in chapter 3, This is now my second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, That scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Scoffers come with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. All right, so first of all, we, we see that scoffers are going to come. All right, people are going to say, look, Jesus came two, more than 2,000 years ago now. The sun still comes up in the east, sets in the west. Everything's going on. Life progresses. History continues. What are you waiting for? What are you hoping in? What are you believing in? Everything is going on. So we're, you're going to face, we're going to face scoffers and skeptics. But look at verse 5. But they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the waters, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. The flood. Right? He says they're forgetting They're forgetting the past. They're forgetting their history. They're forgetting what God has done in the past. But by the same word, God's word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So I think Peter is there. He's pointing us to past biblical patterns. To help us in our present waiting. All right, this has been the situation of God's people over and over and over again. We have a promise from God and we're waiting for it. All right, so did Noah. Noah had a promise from God. Noah, build that ark. Pound, pound, pound. Build that ark, Noah. And then the world Noah, why in the world, why are you building a boat? Because I have a promise from God. There is judgment coming, but salvation is also coming. I believe what God said. Noah, it has never rained before. What are you doing? I'm obeying God's word. I believe in his, I believe in his promise. I'm going to keep doing what he told me to do until that day comes. Same thing. We, we keep fast forwarding. The, the children of Israel in Egypt... We have a promise God is going to deliver. It's been 400 and some odd years. We have a promise. Same thing here. God, look at how God acted in the past. Look at how he will act in the future. And that is is a warning to the scoffer and an encouragement to God's people. Think about that. Everything's continued the way it should be. It's, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Yes, it will. Look at what God did in the past. He will do it in the future. That's encouragement to us as God's people. He saved Noah. He delivered his people out of Egypt. He will save us from the judgment. Now verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. Beloved. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. This is not a formula to figure out when Jesus is coming back. It's saying God's view of time is not our view of time. God's day of the Lord is when he will bring it. But look at verse 9. Here's... Here's the good part. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient toward you. Patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Lord, there's weeds in your field. Let's pull it up right now. No. No. Wait. Wait. Why? Because I have an elect people. Because I have a people that I have chosen who don't live in Palestine. They live in China. I have a people, and they don't live in 30 AD. They live in 2023. Don't pull the weeds up yet. Because you pull the weeds up and they're done. I will have patience. I will endure the objects of my wrath so that the objects of my mercy will receive my mercy. He is patient. He's not slow. He didn't forget he's got something on the stove. He knows what he is doing. He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. But that all should reach repentance. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. Like a thief. It will come. That day when Christ splits the sky and says it's over. Harvest time. Harvesters pull up those weeds. That day will come. Good gracious. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready? It will come like a thief. You will not have 30 minutes warning. You will not have 5 years warning. It will come as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies, the planets, everything will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. God will bring everything to the light. Every secret of every man's heart, every deed done in darkness, unknown by anyone except God, will be brought to light. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? What are we to do, Christians? As we, Peter says this twice. In light of all this, in light of this truth, what are we to do? You know, move to Alaska and create our own commune? You know, make our own political party and retake America? No. Live holy and godly lives. (laughs) What? Be godly. Then down in verse 14, again, he says, Therefore, beloved, since we are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. Waiting for the day of the Lord? Make sure you have a clear conscience. Keep, Keep a clear conscience before God. Live in the full assurance of your salvation And again, verse 15, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. My friend, you live in God's field. You live in his story. What are you? Are you his or are you a weed? Are you a weed in his garden or are you a wheat of his planting? Well, we're all naturally weeds. We come into this world as weeds. And it's only Christ who transforms us into his. Into his child. So if you say, I'm a weed. Then fall on your face before God. Say, God, save me. Transform me. Make me one of yours. Have mercy upon me. I've, I've lived as if. You were not. I've lived as if this world was my stage to glorify me and not you. Forgive me, Lord. Make me Christ's. Let's pray together. God, you are awesome and holy, and we don't even have the heart and the mind to comprehend your glory and your power. Lord, you placed us here for your glory and we have rebelled against that. Lord, we all deserve to be burned. But because of your great mercy, but God, being rich in mercy, sent Christ. And raised us up with him. Gave us mercy and grace that we might be the objects of your mercy and not your wrath. Lord, help us as we live in this fallen world and we have to wait. We still live shoulder to shoulder with, with the wicked, with unbelievers. People who are just like us. We need help. Give us grace to, be, to live a godly life the life of faith, to wait upon you, O God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience, Lord, that you did not pull up the weeds, but you endure them patiently, that they might be saved. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.